All realtors will tell you that home is where the heart is and all sorts of cutesy slogans, but it's different for today's guest. She really lives it. Home, she says, should be a place of love, comfort, and security. From home ownership to fair housing, it's all ahead on the podcast. The climb to the top feels so good when you get there. Is it just us or can it feel lonely sometimes, even when you're successful? And who defines success anyway? What about life's twists and turns? We've learned a few things along the way, and we're ditching the culture of competitiveness. Bringing together women from different backgrounds to share their stories. Let's do this together. Welcome to Think Tank of Three podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Julie Holton with Audrea Think and Rishia Candidate Capasaurus. We are your Think Tank of Three. We've seen a lot a lot of our homes in the last two, a lot of our homes (laughs) in the last two years, thanks to the pandemic. But it's also something we don't want to take for granted. And our guest today knows a thing or two about finding the perfect home. Amy Jackson is an accomplished realtor in Michigan's capital city. She's in the top 5% of all real estate agents internationally. That's correct. Top 5% internationally. She has also received Codwell Banker's Circle of Excellence Award as one of the agency's top producing agents. And she has a strong reputation for her commitment to the community. In 2018, she was honored with the Hero Award for her local impact. And the list goes on. Before real estate, Amy Jackson was a global service manager for a corporate 500 company. Then she ran her own successful marketing business. She is also a very close personal friend. So I can tell you without a doubt, Amy is just one amazing human being. And I am so excited to welcome her to the show. Amy, thanks for joining us today. Oh my goodness. Thank you guys for having me. What an honorable uh, welcome there. Thank you. Well, you're the one who did all the hard work. We're just reading it out loud and making you listen because you, I was telling the ladies, you are so humble. You're probably going to like cringe through the whole introduction, but you guys, she has earned every honor because she is exactly who she says she is, who she presents herself to the world and with such a heart to help others. In fact, I want to read something that Amy sent out in an email during the pandemic. Did you know, she writes, only half of Americans know their neighbors' names. Only half of Americans know their neighbors' names. Living by the golden rule, love thy neighbor as yourself, has been a core value in my life. But recently I asked myself, do I even really know my neighbors? She goes on to write, To me, home is beyond the walls and square footage we rest in. It's our neighborhoods, local shops, schools, places of worship, and everything in between. These homes should be a place of love, comfort, and security. It is my life's work to be an advocate for home ownership, for fair housing, and a place for all to be welcomed. Amy, I was so moved when you first wrote this. I remember talking to you about it at the time, and I'm moved again today reading it because you take it so seriously. Remember the time we were talking about what companies or um, you know, entrepreneurs should or should not say during the pandemic, during the protests, during all these things, all the turmoil that was happening in our country. And we were talking about branding and when should we speak up and when should we not? And when does personal intersect with professional? And you, I remember you decided you were gonna write this heartfelt letter because it represents you and your family. 
So I have to ask, what drives you? What makes you such a fierce advocate to make sure that everyone has a loving community? I remember that place so significantly because we're all stuck in our homes, but yet it didn't feel quite like home in the beginning. Everything felt really awkward and uncomfortable. I remember going to walks with my family and still not really sure if people we could you know, wave to them or how they were feeling. Um, you know, you and I met in parking lots, staying safe distance from each other, just trying to keep friendships alive. So for me, I think when we think about home and community, that's what makes home feel the same. Like you can go into someone's house and right next door, it feel completely different. I think how that person interacts and their neighbors and being able to have a sense of community that if you need something, whether a cup of sugar or mask, that you have someone next to you to be able to do that. How have you created your own community? I, and I ask this because a lot of people struggle to build connections, finding that special tribe, especially when you're an adult. I, I remember having this conversation, making friends as an adult is a difficult task, especially if you have moved to a new place where you don't know anyone. And it's very easy to just insulate yourself with what's inside of the four walls of your home. So how, how do you do that? How have you built your community? Well, I'm still learning that. I think that I'm valuing whatever community does come to me. So the people that do come to me, I feel like I don't want to ever take that for granted that our paths have crossed for a reason, whether that's a, a kind of old church saying is a reason season or a lifetime. So I really try not to take for granted that if I meet someone and I have a good relationship, I'm really lucky that quite a few of my clients become really good friends. And I tell people it's not a requirement. If you don't like me, that's okay. But you're walking alongside people and you really get to be a support to them in a really vulnerable place. And I don't really ever want to take that for granted. And even my friendships that I meet, like how Julie and I met and even meeting you ladies today, I just don't want to ever take that for granted. I moved in my high school years, my freshman year in high school. So I remember being the new kid in freshman year, which you think would be the worst idea. And it was the best thing that could have ever happened to us. We moved to a small town with one stoplight. I remember the realtor actually telling us, yeah, we only got one stoplight, you know, this, this is it. And we're like, you know, we were suburb kids. So we're like, what? There's no like mall, no drive-through. Like, what do you guys do here? And it was that small town that really raised me that you wave to neighbors, even though we didn't know anybody in that town, you, you wave to everybody, they're there for you. It's just, there's a special dynamic for that. And I think now I want to recreate that same feeling that when I'm welcoming people home, that they get that same feeling that they're, they're welcoming into themselves into a neighborhood and into a community of people that want to want to see them there and invite them there and wave hello to them. Amy, I think what really stands out to me about even waving hello to your neighbors and why that quote about how so many of us don't know who's living right next door, it stands out to me because at a time when there are a lot of divisive issues and, and these big topics that we feel like we need to tackle, you know, these, these major worldwide problems. And to you, I remember like you boiled it down. You said, well, it all starts at home. It all starts with how we interact on a daily basis with the people we come into contact with. And for me, even now, it brings it all back to center where I think, okay, there might be this big issue. Maybe it's a work issue. Maybe it's a life issue, something out there, pandemic issue. You know, there are these big issues out there that I don't have control over. 
But what I do have control over is waving at my neighbor, saying hello, inviting someone in, that kindness. And so it's really interesting to even hear how you incorporate that into your daily life. Why is that so important to you? Well, I think actually about the first question about that letter that I wrote and how we had these conversations with, you know, branding and business and a little bit of our honest little rants, I think that we're having how some people no, kind of not us, it. not us, <laughs> not, maybe just me, but it felt like maybe there was, I always want to be genuine. And so I didn't want to just use it as a platform to have a conversation. And so when that letter came out, it was really probably several weeks into all these things happening, but it just became pulling everything away, pulling the curtain away from everything that became, you know, one side or another, or whatever these different things that were crossing up that were causing so many people to be divided. As we drove through our neighborhood, we were seeing signs and things that were going up that were creating, you know, the neighbors not waving at each other, maybe, because now what they didn't know behind closed doors has become more vocal. And it's like, we are still neighbors and we are still going to be here together. And so we want to be able to respect each other for a common ground, even if we don't have to be on these, all these different things. So for me, it's really being able to see that we have these neighbors and we do have something in common, even if it's just our address and we don't have to agree with someone to still, to still love on them in some way. I don't have to really even like them to still in a way, respect them enough that to have a common courtesy as, as a wave. <laughs> Amy, your tagline is serve, sell, repeat, which I love having a sales background, having the service part come first. So what does this mean to you, especially the focus on serving your clients? Yeah, so really that tagline really kind of became from a sticky note that is um, now hanging in my office that was when I first started in real estate and I was, you know, six months pregnant, waddling into my cubicle every day with no clients. I had, you know, just went in there every day and just was going online, doing online training, creating forms for clients that didn't exist. And I was really discouraged. I'm not from here. I don't have this base of um, connections here that other people in my industry kind of just seem to have. And so I was feeling very inadequate. So maybe another topic for another day, but I was really just struggling in this first season in my career and knowing that over 80% of real estate agents after three years aren't in our business any longer. So I knew my first every day counted. (laughs) So I needed to make the most of it. So in that season though, just in struggling, I just felt like, you know, truly my faith was if you have a servant's heart, you'll be a success. If I treat people right, if I do the right thing, if I truly just focus on serving them, everything else will fall into place. And I have found that to be super true. So that has just, that's been my foundation. If I serve, serve well, I'm going to sell. And then the goal is just to keep repeating that process. And it can hopefully be that simple, although it's not, but just keeping my focus right. Speaking of serving, Amy, you have a special place in your heart for single mothers. I myself was raised by one for a few years. So I personally understand this passion, especially, you know, those women who give everything they've got to make life better for their little one, because that was my mom early on in my life. Tell us about your work specifically with women and why that's so important to you. Well, same with you. My mom was a single mom and she's a hoot. That's kind of what I call her. She's just a hoot because she was a police officer. She was one of the first women police officers in the city of Flint in the seventies. So y'all can only imagine she was a true Charlie's angel. 
but seeing her, you know, being able to keep my brother and I moving and grooving and all of our sports and everything else that we went through, but she always had a focus to give back. So we were, you know, whether it was Thanksgiving and we were, you know, able to help out in different community organizations to give food or focusing on when we're giving our clothes and toys away, finding opportunities to give that to people who would want to keep using it if we're no longer doing that. So I think finding ways to do that and whether that's single moms or single dads, just doing anything alone is very hard. Even doing business alone, anything that you have to do by yourself, I think breeds so much where you need confidence. You need, you know, you don't have the support to tell you if you're doing it right or wrong. Some of the best things to happen to me was when we first had our son, my best friend would tell me time, it's normal. It's not, I didn't know what normal was because this was all new. So when I think of for, for women, just for them to be empowered in, and having that sense of support that sometimes we don't always feel like we have, or we don't feel like we're receiving it genuinely. So we question ourselves, we question our relationships, we question our decisions. So being able to find pockets where I can be that for somebody is just something I hope to do. When it comes to empowering women, what do you wish that they knew about home ownership? I think I wish that women, women and anyone would know is that it's possible. I think knowing that it's so possible and it's so obtainable to be able to do, and it's manageable. Most women, we are master managers. I mean, managers of the universe, in my opinion. And so knowing that you can manage your household and sometimes it can feel overwhelming with all of the other plates that we're juggling. Well, what do I have to do if something goes wrong? Or, you know, I, I don't just have a number to dial and, and they'll be there to, to fix it up within 48 hours. I think being able to help them see how that is possible, whether that's a financial question of where do I start or what do I need to do? What does that look like? Or just in a managing standpoint is how is this going to look? How can I do this in, in a in a sustainable way where it doesn't feel like another burden for me and kind of just taking some of those, those pieces away and letting them see it's possible. With allowing or helping people to see that, that the home ownership is possible, that kind of works also within advocacy for housing, for fair housing. Can you talk about the inequities that are existing within the housing market? How, how is it that you are advocating for community in a system that, that has some some unfair play going on? Well, there's a lot of unfair play, unfortunately, that we continue to go through. And I think this will be just kind of a forever battle just as humans that we're going to have to go through. And a lot of that starts with our individual hearts, but where we can, where I can start and to come into play is being able to go one person at a time and being able to see where they are, where they want to go, or even helping them see where they could go and how to be able to get there. I want to do better with being a part of fair housing. It's a requirement for us in our licensure. But more importantly, I think that people don't realize that it's happening every single day. There are still neighborhoods in our community that have restrictions that are now illegal, but still abide in their legal paperwork. And that should just be universally abolished. And the fact that there's so many loopholes that has to be done for something that should be, in my opinion, immediate without question it takes a bigger platform for people to support that. I think being able to kind of pull back and say, if I can impact one person and make sure that they don't feel that way. I had a client last year who unfortunately was working with another realtor and was not feeling like they were getting a fair support in their decision to buy a home. This other realtor had sold their home. So they, they were paid, right? I mean, so let's be honest, let's just say what they want to say. 
they were compensated for their time and sold this house. And they were working with this who became my client to buy a home. So now you have another opportunity to earn this person's business because that's what we're doing. We're, I'm earning her business. I, I'm working for this, right? She is giving me this opportunity. And I think that that's one mistake some people make is they think that they just got it like that. We need to work and earn it. But more importantly is this person had no peace in her. So through this whole process, she felt that she was being treated unfair and didn't know any different. So when we met at an open house, she was like, wait, this can be different. This can be a good experience. I can feel like I'm getting shown houses that I really want in the neighborhoods I want to see. That's a huge, huge problem. And that was a huge heart problem for me that angered me. So I feel like when something angers you, you have to be a part of the solution. So that's something that I have really driven into that I want to learn and be better at to help her. So thankfully she found an amazing house. Her sister lives with her. This will be their forever home. And they've actually become really good friends of mine. But I think her being able to see that there can be a difference and she can have a different experience is so important because now she can tell somebody else, if you're not happy, don't stay somewhere that you're not being served properly. You need to go and get someone who's going to do that. I don't care if it's me or not, but don't settle for someone that you don't feel comfortable with. I think you just tied what? into something that people really struggle with remembering when it comes to real estate and, and, and what they're doing is to remember the realtor works for you, not the other way around. They are, they're servicing your word, you. <laughs> and, and I think we all did, you know, when we've been in that situation, I know when we were looking to buy our house, my husband and I, at moments I felt like, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make the realtor mad. And I'm like, and he's looking, he's like, what do you mean make the, that there's this, no, 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 no. There's no, I don't want to make yeah. the realtor mad. <laughs> it's like they work for us. It's not the other way around. <laughs> and yeah. I think people tend to forget that. They really do. When there's nothing to see, I mean, all we watch is HGTV or Netflix. We have a very, not a, the true picture of what that real estate professional should be. And so I think, you know, kind of not completely answering the question, but I think really being able to see that we have to pull that back. This is a person who's serving you. And for most people, one of the biggest financial decisions you're ever going to make. And so mm -hmm. and next to death and divorce, it's one of the most stressful transactions that somebody's going to make. So not only do you need to be confident in this person beside you, you also have to feel like they're supporting you. Because you're right, we're here to serve you and you have to feel confident that you can text them and call them and gripe and stress and do all those things and put it all on the table because they're here to guide you through that. What should homeowners be looking out for? How do they know when they're getting unfair treatment and what are some ways they can combat when they do see that they're not being treated fairly? Well, that's a great question. And I, I, I don't know if we'll have all the answers to that completely, but I, I, I can say that I think that one expectations, I always say to my client, I want to know what your expectations are because I always want to exceed them. And I'm not going to be capable of exceeding your expectations if it's not clear to me what your expectations are and vice versa. Let my clients know I live in my car. I sell houses, but I live in my car. I'm always driving, touring houses, and I'm very strict that I don't want to be a texting and driving person. I see it on the road. It's very unsafe. It drives me bonkers. So if you don't get a communication back to me, I'm probably on the road or saw it at a stoplight. So don't hesitate to reach out to me later. But I think that when it comes to feeling like you're not being communicated to properly, 
if you feel like you're not being heard as far as what you want. One of the biggest restrictions that we see specifically with fair housing is being people being prompted to different areas and neighborhoods. That's the biggest thing that's being done is that people are being redlined into areas that people deem to be certain areas based on what they think certain people may like and not like. And that is, to me, one of the biggest offenses, and I'm, I'm certain statistically that's one of the big offenses is that we see is that people think that they know something better than somebody else. Like my past client, she was wanting a house in a wonderful certain neighborhood and continually was showing being shown houses specifically outside of the neighborhood that she wanted. So she then began to think that I can't have a house there. It's not possible. Maybe I can't even afford it. Well, guess what? She got a house in the neighborhood and she loves it and it'll be her forever home. And that's something that is important that why, why can't you, there's no reason, there's no reason why those things have to be pulled away. And if you don't have someone supporting you in doing that, that's, that's a huge issue. It's also a part of, I mean, you know, you, you just said it with, with redlining as well. I mean, it's, it's not just what they, what they think they like. It's also what you look like. You don't really necessarily fit this particular neighborhood. So let me show you the neighborhood that might work better for how you seem to me. And we've heard, we've heard stories about that. We've heard stories with, you know, I, I have an interracial marriage and we've heard stories about interracial marriages where um, a woman or a couple where a woman, a single woman looking to get a house, she said, I need to borrow my friend's husband to represent this house that I own and see what happens. And the differences in what happened from being a black single woman, even a professional black single woman to a white male made a huge difference in what was happening um, with the selling of her home, um, the searching of a purchase for a home. And it just, it just blows my mind because here we are in 2022 and this is still happening. Well, there's no consequences, right? We hear these stories and it's so infuriating to think that, but it's, it is the reality. And it's not just in our industry, it's kind of everywhere. You know, you're seeing that I'm in an interracial marriage as well. And I see the difference and how we're treated when we go on vacation, we go into resorts. If I walk in and then we walk in together, it can be completely, completely treated differently. It's one thing if it's a place I'm choosing, but when it comes to, a business transaction and someone who's having a salaried or paid profession, there should be consequences for that. So whether I'm choosing to be on a beach and how we're treated there, or I'm paying you, Mr. Appraiser, or whoever it might be, and they're being treated that we also have to be able to say, hold on a second, this is not right. There needs to be discussion. And most importantly, there needs to be some accountability. We often discuss a great deal about the balance aspect of things and real estate that is that's not that's just, that's seven days a week all the time that's not that's that's not eight to five monday through friday weekends that is seven days a week so in doing that in trying to make sure that you are servicing your client and trying to make sure that you are also there with regards to your family and let's be honest with yourself because one thing we do discuss a great deal about is you need to have the you time the i'm not dealing with the kids i'm not dealing with the husband i'm not dealing with the other stuff it's my time to sit on the couch if i want to and watch gray's anatomy (laughs) so how how do you handle that aspect of of making sure that your 
in line with you? I'm probably that's something I need to get better at. <laughs> if I add to the club of being better with self-care, I think I feel better about myself when things are in order. I'm an order person. I'm a type A kind of gal. I like a bullet point, I like a sticky note. So I just have to handle whatever's in front of me right now. I don't like things to be until tomorrow. So if I can get that done and get that answer, then I feel at rest. And that makes me feel better when I'm trying to juggle too much or put too much off that makes me feel off balance. So for instance, this morning, my son graduated from preschool. I want to be a hundred percent present to that. I sent expectations with clients. I spoke to last night that I'll be in touch with you tomorrow afternoon. So I could be there fully present in the morning. I could go to brunch with my family after. And then as soon as I got in the car, I was able to deliver great news. My buyer got a call, like a new house and great news things happen. So I was able to deliver that. And in that time, those few hours, other offers came in for another client. So it really allowed me to actually have a more fruitful conversation afterwards because now more things have accumulated and then I could be present where I need to be. It's not always going to be the case. Sometimes my clients are going to pull me away and I'm not watching the baseball game or I'm going to have longer days and I'm not going to see my, my husband and son. But you know, those are just the balances that we really get to have. And I'm really, really grateful to be able to have them. But I realize that everybody can, can really live that way. You know, it, it can, some people thrive off of having the structure of eight to five. Somehow I can manage the chaos. <laughs> Amy, it is easy to hear why you are in the top 5% of realtors, just a wonderful woman inside and out. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you guys for this opportunity and this conversation. This is great. Before we go, we're not letting you off the hook just yet. We like to collect advice from each of our guests so that we have uh, all of this insight to share with our Think Tank of Three forum. So we have three rapid fire questions for you. Number one, is there a lesson that you've recently learned that you wished you would have learned earlier in your career? Setting boundaries. Setting boundaries, setting expectations, clearly communicating what those are. And, and being confident in them. People respect them. If you set them, you set them in a positive light, people completely respect you for them. What is one piece of advice you would offer to any woman? Find a way to grow your confidence internally. That it doesn't have to be an outward expression of your confidence, but just internally feel confident in your abilities or what your future might be. Even if you're not hundred percent there, if you're only at 98 or 52, be super solid in the 52 of where you are and where you want to be. Just, just find your inner confidence. In today's professional setting, what is the most important skill for women? I think being ourselves, this picture that we have to be this power woman or this dynamic, whatever it is that we need for our field. I think we need to toss that out and be ourselves. I felt at first that I couldn't be vocal about how much I loved being a mom and how much I adore my husband. And I just needed everyone to know that I am here for business. And that's not me. And I have found that really the more I felt confident in myself and just being genuine to myself, all the right people have came into my, my, my circle. And that's the most rewarding thing. It's feeling that I'm myself and that's being celebrated and I don't need to be anything else. How empowering it is when we finally start to settle into that inner confidence and in who we are. Amy Jackson, where can our listeners connect with you online? How can they get in touch with you? 
Sure. So, um, of course, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm Amy Jackson. Uh, 517-realestate.com is my website. I'm on Instagram, 517realestate, and of course, on Facebook too. Amy, thanks so much for being here today. And that is all for this episode of Think Tank of Three. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like to hear from, send us a message at thinktankof3@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Subscribe to the Think Tank of Three wherever you listen to podcasts and connect with us online. We blog weekly at thinktankof3.com. Follow us on social media. You can find us individually on LinkedIn and as Think Tank of Three on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Women, click to join our private group on Facebook where we can all share advice and articles. And if you liked what you heard in the podcast, share it. You can find Think Tank of Three on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon Music, and SoundCloud.